Hey guys, and welcome to the Road to Medical Sales podcast. Make sure to please press that subscribe button, rate us, and leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and impact as many lives as possible. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Angelo Mastrio. I have known Angelo for a few years now, and this guy continues to amaze me. He has been in the sales industry for just over 18 years, and specifically in medical sales for 16. As someone who has been absolutely crushing it for 18 years, he has too many accolades for me to cover in one introduction. Therefore, some of his career highlights include top five of sales reps in the Western region at Cintas, where he also earned Rookie of the Year and President's Club. From there, he broke into the medical industry with Stryker with no previous medical experience. After that, he decided to cut his teeth in the distributorship world. He was the number one Vegas sales rep at Access Orthopedics in 2008, 2009, and 2010, and incrementally grew his territory by 20% in 2009 and 25% in 2010, a very difficult task while considering quota increases. Angelo began his own distributorship in 2007, where he grew his sales from $590,000 in 2007 to $3.5 million in 2019. That's 12 straight years of incremental growth. He expanded his distributorship into two additional markets, Texas and Florida, and grew his sales team managing four sales reps and two associates. He doesn't stop there. Angelo was a full-line territory manager for both men's and women's health at Boston Scientific. Angelo won President's Club in 2012 and continued to move his way up the ranks being promoted two times. While in these roles, Angelo was involved in many additional internal roles, such as being a field sales trainer, a regional team leader, sat on the sales leadership council, and was part of the peer mentor program, all while consistently meeting and exceeding quota throughout this time. Finally, Angelo is currently the director of sales and distribution at Contura. By now, I think I've demonstrated just how much Angelo has accomplished, and he is truly of a different breed. With all that being said, Angelo, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited for this. We're going to be discussing some things that I know I've been getting questions about, and there is some misperception out there for those that are trying to get into this industry about which path to take. So I'm really excited to break this open. Yeah, let's get into it. I'm excited as well. Right on. So you landed in this industry kind of by accident. You were working B2B sales at Cintas to actually save money for law school. And in that time, you ended up getting recruited by Stryker. Walk us through that process and where it's taking you today. Yeah. So I had graduated college. I kind of needed to, to get a job. And I had a friend of mine who she was working at Cintas and she was very successful and kind of called in a favor and she got me the job there. And I knew nothing about it and ended up being just a great company, just from a business standpoint, extremely profitable, great business model. And I ended up doing well. And I didn't know it at the time, but Cintas was one of the companies that's highly recruited out of for medical sales. And one day I just happened to be in the office and I got a call from a medical recruiter. They were recruiting for Stryker and they convinced me to kind of fly down to Texas and go on a ride along. At first I was saying no, you know, hey, I wasn't interested. I'm going to law school and you know, he's like, listen, man, let me just get a few days of your time. Trust me. I went down there and I rode along with an amazing ref and got to view some spine surgeries and was at dinners and meetings and, and having all these high level conversations. And I was just 
in awe. I was completely starstruck by the medical device industry. And from there, I interviewed with Stryker, and I ended up just absolutely crushing the interview, did the gallop, did really, really well on the gallop, and I was able to somehow get into the medical device industry as a full-line sales rep here in Vegas with Stryker with no previous experience. So you've experienced working as both a W-2 and 1099 employee. Can you go into detail about these different models? Yeah. You know, just like anything else, there is positives and negatives to both. I think that in the W-2 direct world, working for these companies, chances are it's going to be a medium to a large size company. And there's just endless resources when you work for those companies. You know, everybody has their specific job functions. You have a whole department for marketing. You have a whole department for legal and sales. And obviously, you have sales leadership and R&D. So you have just so many resources. And you can truly become very specialized in, in your one job function. And then you have all those other resources to lean on when you need to kind of phone a friend. Also, it teaches you, I think, how things are really done at a very high level and to the utmost professionalism, for lack of a better term. I mean, you know, when you're talking to Boston Scientific and Medtronic and Strikers of the world, they're very polished and they have everything dialed in. With the distributorship world, 1099, you know, it truly is running small business. So you get to touch all aspects of the business. So you get to see the inner workings of billing or contract negotiation, product procurement. You really get to know profit margins and you really get to know budgets and things like that versus managing your one budget for your territory or your one budget for your sales team or something like that. You're really truly running the small business. But that being said, you don't have all of those resources. So you, you do have to wear all of those hats. And for the person who's truly entrepreneurial, I think it's a great, great thing. For the person who's very creative, it's a great thing. But you have to make sure that that's really what you want. Some people just want to really go into the situation where they have their one job function and they just want to run as hard as they can and focus on that one thing. So you just have to be true to yourself and really look at yourself deeply and decide what it is you truly want to do with those precious minutes and hours in your day. Absolutely. So do you think it's safer to start out in this industry as a W-2 before moving into that 1099 role? Yeah, looking back, I definitely think it is. For the most part, starting out as a W-2 with a direct role with the company, you're going to get, in my opinion and in my experience, there's obviously caveats to this, I'm sure, but as a whole, you're probably going to get more training, more robust training. You are going to not have to worry about so many other things. You can just focus on that one thing. You, you really will have the time to focus on learning the clinical aspect of the anatomy, the, the clinical aspect of running the cases, the clinical details about the product. You'll be able to learn the sales cycle a little bit more, you know, and you'll have some of those more traditional things to fall back on that make your stress level a little bit easier to deal with. You know, chances are you'll get your company phone and your car package, you will get your salary, you'll get a guarantee, you know, on commission for a little while. All of those things add up to reducing your stress level and letting you really focus on the industry. Because even if you're coming with, with sales experience, the medical device industry is very focused. 
and it's unlike anything else. And there is a lot to learn. And you're not going to learn it all in one year, or two years, or three, or even five. And I think that you would probably be in a better position to develop yourself under working for a large company at first. I tend to agree with you. So you are so well-rounded in this industry, and you've been incredibly successful in many different roles. In your eyes, what separates the good reps from the great reps? I really think it's business acumen. You know, anybody can work really hard. Okay? Anybody can kind of go out there and put in 10, 12-hour days as long as you have that in you, right? That's something that we all can do. In my opinion, understanding the business from every aspect is really what separates the good reps from the great reps. Knowing all of the details about billing and your CPT codes, knowing what your physicians are getting reimbursed, what they're facing as a business owner with trying to cover payroll and overhead, denials from an insurance standpoint, how to help out with that, understanding your customer service department and their limitations on what they can and can't do, understanding your distribution chain and the, uh, the limitations on what they can and can't do, really understanding from your hospital standpoint, what are their pain points? All of that kind of comes in to business acumen. You know, we all say you want to put yourself in your customer's shoes. Well, in order to really do that, you have to really understand, truly understand how things are from their perspective. And the only way to do that is to take advantage of some of these resources that are at your fingertips. Like we just spoke about resources for some of these larger companies. Make sure you take the time when you're back at the home office, maybe stay an extra day and go sit with your customer service department and really understand what they do. Try and get on those different focus groups and those different teams working with marketing and really understand their limitations and, and what are some of their pain points. You know, really sit down maybe with some of your office managers and billing specialists at some of your customers and, and really see what they go through, what their challenges are when they're trying to get prior authorization for some of these cases. All those little things over the years add up and it just allows you to have much higher level conversations and it'll be extremely clear when you're speaking with your physicians or your customers that you definitely have a higher level of understanding of what they're going through. That'll help building those relationships, make all those things a little bit easier. And ultimately, obviously, we want to close the deal and get the sale. And that'll all fall into place, I think, a little bit easier if you have that really good base level of knowledge. That's awesome. I love it. You know, not having that tunnel vision, which is so easy to do when you already have so much going on, but taking the time to really expand is just going to help you in the long run. Piggybacking off of that, you know, I'm curious, where did you get your business acumen from? Or, you know, I guess maybe more importantly, how did you develop it further? You know, it's mostly just from relationships that I have with various other role models throughout my life. We all learn differently. You know, I didn't go and I didn't get an MBA in the traditional sense. I got it from sitting with my accountant every year and doing an end of the year, you know, tax planning meeting and really trying to understand what do all these things mean? Sitting with my attorney and really going through these contracts and really trying to understand things from a legal standpoint. I have a couple of people in my life I'm very fortunate that are extremely successful businessmen and just trying to go to as many meetings with them and lunches with them as I could and really pick their brains and you know not just be a fly on the wall, but really ask those questions. And I've never been afraid to kind of ask 
those really deep questions that really show that you have no clue what's going on. And a lot of people, I think, are embarrassed by that. I've never been embarrassed by that. And, and I've always wanted to really understand how things work. You know, there's a difference between understanding that when you turn your key, it just starts your car versus when you turn the key, the battery turns the alternator, which then starts turning the crank, which then starts putting fuel into, you know, the cylinders. And once that sparks, it starts turning the engine. I mean, that's the different level of understanding, really just soaking up all of that. And then the other thing too, you know, I'm really big on no wasted time. So when I'm driving around during the day, I love listening to podcasts and I love listening to podcasts on different areas where I want to get educated on. When I read things at night, you know, I'm typically trying to read through financial articles or different, you know, business publications, just again, just trying to soak up that knowledge as best I can. But in my opinion, there's just no substitute for that one-on-one or that, you know, face-to-face interaction with people that are experts in these things that you're trying to learn. So you've done a great deal of hiring throughout your career. What do you look for in potential employees to add to your team? You know, specifically, what qualities about a potential candidate tend to stand out the most to you? I really want people to be genuine. I don't want people that are constantly trying to sell. And I equate it to, when we think about our friends that we have, you shouldn't have to try to be somebody's friend. It should be something that kind of comes natural, right? And I don't want people to be trying to sell to anybody. I want people to be genuine. I want people to care about the people they're working with. I want people to care about the quality of their work product. You know, we all put out a work product every day. Even if you're not producing an actual widget that's an actual product, your quality of your work product, how you perform is your product. And I just want people to be genuine. And obviously, honesty is another big thing. But that's what I look for. I look for that person who is just good and they're trying to do this, you know, for the right reason. That to me is is probably the number one thing. I love it. So what is some advice you would give people working to break into this competitive industry? So I've mentored a handful of people over the years that have been trying to break into the medical device industry, the one thing that they all had in common was they all did some type of B2B sales beforehand. So I kind of have to recommend that. I think that that's a good thing to have on your resume. Learning that, whether it be a requirement-based selling sales cycle, just kind of learning that foundation, I think helps. The other thing that I kind of stumbled upon, and I've had all these other people that I've mentored over the years do this, and it's worked out really well, The number one question that any hiring manager is going to have about a person sitting in front of them, especially if they don't have previous medical device experience, is can they get in the door? Can they actually get in and speak with these physicians that they're going to try and be selling to? That's the number one question. So the thing that I've always had all of these people do is I have them research the company and come up with a quick list of three or five questions specifically about that product. And I have these people get in front of a couple of these physicians that would be their target positions. And literally, I have them go to their office, explain to the front desk person, hey, this is who I am. I'm coming in here and I just need to ask this physician a couple of questions. I'm trying to break into the medical device industry. And I tell them, I don't care if you have to sit in that office for five hours and wait. The other thing that sometimes I'll have them do is go through their mental Rolodex. I guarantee they know somebody who got treated by this ortho physician or this cardio physician or whatever it might be. And, you know, really start to tap into those relationships because that's what sales is. And, you know, if you call up 
your aunt or uncle that, that maybe had their, you know, their knee fixed by this doctor, you'll be surprised what these doctors are willing to do and give them a couple of minutes of your time. And then I have them kind of highlight that in their interview process. They will, hey, you know, I actually went and sat down with Dr. Smith. And as I understand it, you know, he's a big ortho surgeon here in town. And this is what he had to say about your total knee or whatever it might be. And that really, you know, blew them away. And the other thing is when they're doing their 30, 60, 90 day business plan, I have them really try and get very focused on it. You know, everybody's going to say the same thing. They're going to crack into the book. They're going to learn the clinical stuff and they're going to ride along with more successful reps. And, you know, 60 days, those are kind of the normal things that everybody says. But maybe work in there that you're going to go and sit down with the billing manager at some of your accounts and spend a day with them and figure out some of their pain points on billing. You know, put in the, the 30, 60, 90 day plan that you want to go back to the home office and sit with customer service. That'll just show those managers two things that number one, you can get through the door, you can get past the front desk and you can talk to those physicians. And number two, you are thinking about the business on a much higher and more in-depth level than, you know, what probably a lot of the other candidates are. And I think that has really helped all of those people, you know, kind of get through the door and break into the industry. I love that. And then pair that with, you know, being genuine and it's a recipe for success, I think. I definitely would agree. You know, at the end of the day, if you just work hard and you're genuine, people will pick up on that. And again, you know, don't try too hard. I'm kind of notorious with all of my colleagues for going to dinners with physicians and customers and never actually talking about business and never actually selling. That works for me. Nobody wants to be sold. Just think about it. When you step on a car lot, everybody cringes. They don't want to be approached by the salesperson trying to, you know, hard sell them. And if you feel like that going onto a car dealership, you can pretty much bet that all of your physician customers feel like that when you see them in the hallway or when you're out to dinner with them. So just be genuine. And remember, you know, you should never have to try to be somebody's friend. It's just something that should come natural. I love it. All such great advice. Angela, I want to thank you for hopping on and sharing your experience of what makes a rep successful and providing some clarity between the W-2 and 1099 positions for our listeners. As someone who literally just never stops, your willingness to share your time and knowledge to help others on their journey is appreciated more than you know. You're simply amazing. Just continue to keep crushing it out there. I know you will. Yeah, no, you guys too. I think what you and Scott are doing with this podcast, I think is awesome. It is so, so well needed. And you guys inspire me. I think this is great. It's been a very hidden thing, this medical device industry. And it's been a very exclusive club for a long time. And I think you guys are helping to break that open for a lot of other people. And you obviously love it. I know Scott loves it. I love it. And I'm very happy knowing that you guys are going to improve countless other people's lives by helping them get into this industry and make something of themselves. And that's a good thing. We appreciate it, Angelo. It means a lot. I'm going to take off as we will after every episode with a very sincere thank you for tuning in and a few words to carry with you in the back of your mind. Be willing to have the tough conversations. 